My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me are two fabulous writers. We have Melissa Casera. Hello. Hello. We have Hunter Duhan. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for being here, you guys. Thank you. I Okay, so everybody's hearing Melissa Casera, and there are people who are standing up and they're cheering right now because they remember your last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you listed all of these cool ways to network, things that nobody else had ever talked about. Um, and and it was all the fact that, Melissa, you came to L.A. and you hit the ground running. You had sort of a, a networking strategy, but you also were writing up a storm. So that was not very long ago. What, what When was it, like six months, a year? Well, I've been in L.A. for a year. Uh, I mean, I was writing before that. But, but when were you on this show? Only... Six months ago then? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Oh my God. So in that six months time, (laughs) Melissa's going to tell you what's happened because you were on the brink, but hadn't sold anything, hadn't gotten hired yet. But like I said, creating tons of content, meeting tons of people, tell everybody what's happened. So my first movie just debuted a few weeks ago on Lifetime, which was very excited. It's called Girl Followed and they're rerunning it. So if you want to check it. When are they rerunning it? Um, you'd have to check your local listings. It seems to be on Saturdays that they're doing reruns of it and you'll just randomly find it in your TV listings and then they'll eventually add it, I'm sure, to the Lifetime app. So, um, just keep an eye out for that if you want to watch. It's really good. And, um, and then I also sold my TV series that I worked on with Pilar. I'm so excited. I sold that to full screen. So we're just getting into that now and I'm very excited. And I also got, um, representation, which I don't recall if I had my manager when I was on last. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work with the magical Jeff Portnoy over oh. at Bellevue. Oh, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Cause remember I sent a little letter yes. about that. So I'm so glad that's a, that worked <laughs> oh, out. Yeah. That's great. He's yes, terrific. He's like my magical unicorn mm-hmm. and was so wonderful. Um, so yeah, so lots of exciting things are popping. So, okay. So, and also there's a second Lifetime series mm-hmm. that you sold as well, right? Or movie. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> that's okay. Sorry. It was, the, it was another assignment that kind of spurned off from the same. Um, and I'm sure we'll dig into that a little bit more. So yeah. And that one's going into production. Oh my God. Uh, the the series, um, you've got a production company attached, but what's the next phase of that? Um, so the series I sold direct to network, and mm-hmm. the network is um, Full Screen, which is a digital network, and their shows are awesome, so check them out if you haven't already. Um, the, so the next step in that process is it's a guaranteed Bible, so you have to write a TV Bible um, and a pilot episode. And so the pilot is essentially already written because that's what they initially brought me in on. The Bible, um, that's something that you build out. And uh, it's, you know, a big, huge document, if you're not familiar, that lists out like the world and the characters and a breakdown, um, a pretty 
in in depth breakdown of each episode. Um, if we get the episode or the series order, then it will be, I believe, nine total. So we're just sketching those out for the Bible, um, and that's what will you know. If that and the pilot episode look good, then they move to the next phase of making the entire series. That <laughs> so, is incredible. Yeah. Congrats. So it's really exciting. And we were able to, because it's digital and um, there's so many wonderful things with, with getting a digital deal, you can negotiate sometimes for um, more control. So it's just, you're not just a writer, but you know, you have creative control over the project and executive producer credits. And so that's really exciting. Okay. So when you say digital, mm-hmm. I, I should go like, oh yeah, oh, <laughs> digital. Yeah. So, but but I'm actually going like, okay, what platform are we talking about? What can we compare it to so that I, I can sort of have a, a, a picture in my head? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure their their goal is to be as big as like a Netflix or a Hulu. Right now, they're not there. They're owned by AT&T, though, so they have a huge backing. Ah, so they that's what yeah. that kind of a digital And they're platform. a big company. Um they began, I believe, repping um, some YouTube stars and like lots of reality. Like they worked in that space before they moved into scripted, and now the company's blown up. So they have a scripted and unscripted um, area. And then their first scripted show was basically it was like that movie Step Up. You ever watch those Step Up dance movies? Yeah. yeah. But like rated X, and it was so edgy and amazing. And it's called like naked dancing. Um, they're well, they're naked, like not while they're dancing, <laughs> but like, mm. but like in between dancing, there was like lots of sex scenes and just. I'm so into like dark versions of anything. So um, when I found it, it's called Making Moves. I was totally obsessed. And and what's so great is um, I'm a pretty edgy writer, and <laughs> the project that I sold. Um, we actually did have, I don't think I can say who, but we did have an offer from another network. Um, and it was really interesting because it was a bigger network. It was a, it was, could have been a bigger thing, but they wanted to change my project so much and likely probably cut me from it (laughs) at some point. So there's all these different, it's, it's a little bit sticky. Like when you get into that place and you're a new writer. Um, but ultimately I looked at it and said, I'd rather preserve you know, what my voice and what I wanted in the project than to take this like maybe bigger deal that like who knows if they'll ever make it kind of thing. And um, so I went with full screen just because I loved their vibe and they're basically like whatever you want to do, you do. Wow, that <laughs> so is great. ballsy. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. Great. You're like unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Hunter, so are you. Um, yeah. so, so Hunter, tell everybody what you've been up to. Uh, well, I took Pilar's first draft class back in <laughs> January 2016, and I started a script in there, and I have since, it's been optioned by Lifetime, and they've commissioned a couple rewrites, and I'm still in that rewrite process right now. So the, the, it got optioned by Lifetime because it won a competition through Lifetime, yes? Right, it was a, the Bentonville Film Festival did their first ever screenwriting competition, and I submitted it as, through random connection. I'm actually from Arkansas, okay. and that's where. This, and Gina Davis started this amazing film festival. It's in its like third year, and this was the first time they did a screenwriting competition. And it just champions like diversity and women in film. And so I had this script that I'd started in her class, and had this uh, like strong lead female protagonist, and uh, like her mother character is heavily involved as well. And so I entered it, and amazingly, it won. Oh, that's amazing! That's that is. <laughs> Super cool. So you're in the development process. Pro- 
kid talk the development process with it right now right. as far as developing it with with lifetime yeah and so i work kind of directly with uh samantha Shear, and she's amazing she's over at kickstart productions and uh so i kind of we kind of work together and then send over drafts and talk to lifetime that way so at, at this stage you can both talk to this because you have a, a lifetime show that uh sorry movie that's out and you're in the development stage um we've had guests on before um uh who talked about sort of a, a nine act structure is that right or is it a seven act structure for um I, actually both both of my movies were different they were one was a one was eight act and one was nine act okay and yeah. and are you working on i had to adjust mine to nine act yeah okay and so uh the process with submitting so so uh, you start in an outline phase with them. Do they do they ask for an outline, or do they ask for do they jump you into a first draft? Well, mine, since it was through the competition, was a fully done script. That's true, and right. so it was already written. And I kind of had to make changes based on their notes, and then you know, I actually, and then those notes added like twenty pages, and then I had to cut down to an eighty-five minute format with nine X. So it's been interesting. So, so how does an, a nine-act structure differ from what people might have come to know as sort of a traditional three-act structure with features? You guys know both things. Um, how, do, how do you find that it differs, or is it just taking what we already know and dividing it into more pieces? Well, I think you have to keep in mind with Lifetime, there's commercials, and, and your goal is to get people to come back after that break. So the reason they have them broken that way is because you need like a really exciting act out so that the person's like, <gasps> and then like wants to, <laughs> like you can't turn away, right? And so that's, that's one of the most important things. Um, so I think when I'm writing them, and I'm writing another feature now, not for Lifetime, and, and so <laughs> that's a big difference is that you're like, you have to basically chunk it down and... Um, I don't know if it's different for, for you, Hunter, because you're working off your own script, but I worked from scratch on, on the project. And, um, and so you usually, like, the first act will time out about, like, 17 to 20 pages, and then the second act is, like, 9 to 12. And so you have, like, these very specific page counts that just slot right in. And it's smart for them to do it that way and to shoot it that way because then when Lifetime plops it on, right, it goes mm -hmm. right in. And most of the time, these yours might be different, but any, any that I've worked on in the majority of Lifetime movies are done by an external production company. And That's then, the same. yeah, yeah, and then they are, and you know, they are just distributed through Lifetime. So, you know, Lifetime is the one that airs them. Um, but Lifetime is it? They may be involved in the notes process, but they're not actually the ones that are like producing. Like, there's this external company that's doing that. So, did you maybe start like by finding those act breaks, kind of like what you would with like a TV pilot, since you had started from that? spot? Yeah, I had, I was lucky to have a really good mentor doing, during <laughs> this process. Um, and just kind of teach me how to build because you also want to make sure the act breaks don't fall flat. Um, and they easily can, because if, even if they're all big things, like let's say it's like car crash and then, you know, like think about like fire and like all these big <laughs> things, um, then they're going to end up all feeling the same. So you have to make sure that the act outs escalate as well. So, you know, maybe like the first one, just something like 
like subtly eerie happens, right? And you build tension in that scene. So you you just feel uncomfortable. Like, what's up? That character is weird. (laughs) I don't get it, right? And then you just kind of hang around because you're like, what's he going to do? And that was very much um, what happened in the movie that Girl Followed. Um, In the beginning, it was a lot of those like, "Mm, something's not right about this guy, you know, and it kept like people tuning in, tuning in. And then some of the more, the bigger things started happening, the more violent things. And then you get to the end and the big explosion. (laughs) That's that's great advice, too, because we do always talk about, you know, having these big act breaks, but the idea of escalating them as well so that people don't just get desensitized is what it sounds like. Yes. And um, so when you're taking your existing script, how did you change it so that it, it, it fit those sort of nine gasp moments that we're talking about? Yeah, well, so they gave me this like outline, like she was saying, of like how many minutes, ideal minutes they wanted it to be. And so I kind of went through the script and was like, somewhere in here I'm going to need an act break. And I don't know if this is like overly simplified, but I was like, what's the most exciting thing that happens in these range of pages? And I, and then towards the middle, it was kind of getting weird because I was also trying to cut pages. So I kind of worked backwards from, okay, what's going to my last act going to be? And what's going to be the final, like from eight to nine. And then almost treating like the nine, like a mini third act and a movie like that's the resolution. And just, that's the way I went about it. So I don't know if that's too simplified or there is no such thing as too simplified, you know? <laughs> too complicated, yes. Too simplified, awesome. I'm very, very happy okay. about that. Um, now, you mentioned, you know, Gina Davis's competition, and, you know, they were looking for a strong female protagonist. Um, yours has a female protagonist, I would assume. Yes. You know? um, is there, you know, you guys both sort of paying respect to having, you know, a strong woman at, at the center of it. What were you keeping in mind as you were writing this, you know, were there any, any places where you were like, ah, she's getting too victim-y or, okay, she's strong, but I'm not buying it. Or, you know, what, what, what kind of character work were you doing? Well, you have to keep, you have to keep them active, which is, I think probably everyone knows that if you're reading scripts, but I will say it becomes challenging sometimes in these lifetime movies, because oftentimes it's woman in peril, right? So something is happening, happening to this woman, right? And so in order to keep them active and driving the story, um, sometimes that can get tricky because often in these movies, there's some kind of like break in or murder, you know, something (laughs) happens where the police should be involved and you have to be careful not to make your police dumb, right? Because you don't want it to seem like, oh, the investigators just failed you. And then you have to go and solve the crime yourself, you know, the lead characters to solve the crime. That's kind of cheesy, right? (laughs) If that happens. And I'm sure there's lots of like older, older ones that have done that. Um, But now the, the more recent ones, you have to sort of play that balance of there's obviously things happening to your main character, but you have to keep them active in whatever it is in the investigation and saving someone or whatever without like completely making the police look like idiots and have, but still finding some clever way where, you know, maybe the police are removed from, 
from the equation or there's something holding them back that they can't do. And then your character's like, oh, I got it. And they're, and they're <laughs> driving for it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's and obviously you want to keep. And, and I was lucky on my um, on Girl Followed. We actually had two lead women. One was one was a woman. Um, she played the mom. But then one was a 14 year old girl. And that was really fun to be able to play both of those and have like both of them be the active characters in the story and, you know, having all these motivations and wants and obviously making lots of mistakes <laughs> along the way. So that was a lot of fun to, to do that. I really liked writing my 14 year old. Well, also, I think, you know, when you're talking about something that they can do that nobody else can do, right, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, drawing from their skills that they, they, ha- they have. So I imagine you need to set up those skills in the beginning. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, definitely that could, that could work. Um, one thing that I learned early on, <laughs> cause I, I actually tried to put that in, in a, I'm like, well, maybe we can have her job be this so that she can translate those skills. And they were like, no, she needs to be a dental hygienist. Right? <laughs> it was like, so, you know, it really, it depends, right? You're going to get like those notes and you just have to like figure, you just have to figure it out. You just a have to figure it out. A dental hygienist can drill baby drill. Well, definitely. And so where I went with it was, um, because our movie is about like, this guy and he's an online predator essentially. I mean, he meets the the girl in person as well, but he's using all of these like sketchy online methods to prey upon her and groom her so that he can take her and make him make her his, right? So what I used was that the police, not that they weren't active, but it was like their hands were tied because legally some of these like private app companies can't release information. So the police like we want to help, but like our hands are tied here, like because we can't get that information from them. So it forced the mom to then kind of figure out, like know what she doesn't know. And that's the thing. Most of us as parents don't know, right? We don't know what these secret weird apps are that our kids are using or these social networks. So it was really fun to kind of have the mom have to be, you know, investigate in that realm, right? Like just really drive in that way. She's like, well, I have to figure this out. So going to her daughter's world. Exactly. And, and kind of, you know, going into her daughter's world, checking into all those things. How are they using it? Like not necessarily posing as the daughter, but really figuring out like, what is a kid doing? How are they hiding this from us? This this sounds like a good handbook for parents. It was. Yeah. That's what was exciting. And that's why I loved it. Cause I'm like, oh, there's a social message. <laughs> it's it's well, a really fun, guilty pleasure movie, but there's also this social message of like, you know, pay attention. And it makes it incredibly contemporary. Absolutely. Nice, nice, nice. That's awesome. So, so Hunter, so, so the, again, thinking of like strong women and you understood that they responded to something about this female character, what do you think they responded to? And, and, and how did you, how did you uh, heighten that or, or play with that throughout your movie? Uh, well, mine definitely started the script that I submitted to the festival is mainly, it was mainly focused on the main girl, Amy. She's a 17 year old girl and this like love interest that comes into it who, you know, probably very similar. It seems that it's going to be a good thing. Right. And you know, just makes it worse than it was eventually. But uh, they wanted to kind of get into that story by, you know, what does the mom think about all this and what is she doing? And she's not just there. And so when I was going to the rewrites, though, a big thing I wanted to do was 
really stay away from like the nagging mom. So not, it's not, but he's like, where were you? Where are you on that guy? Like that kind of thing. And so that was a forefront of my head uh, because Amy and Charlie, the two main characters have stayed pretty true to their through line. And then it was mainly adding a lot for the mom and, and the mother daughter relationship. Well, I'm glad you stayed away cool. from the nagging mom. Thank you. I'm a little my, tired. My mom's that. not nagging. Right. But I see that all the time on TV. Right. And it's always, it com- com- creates this combative relationship, and right. the, it, which also feels predictable now. Yeah. You know, so, so Melissa, you're saying like, in a way, they, they become this team. I mean, she has to go into her daughter's Exactly. Role. There's no nagging. <laughs> and, I love that. And, and, you're, and you're saying that was, you were trying to honor the mom, but not go that route. So what did you do instead of going... For, for the nagging. So there's not a uh, social media that she can kind of jump in and jump into her own world. But in my story, uh, Amy is coming back to high school after a failed suicide attempt. And so the mom is just trying to understand that. Cause I think that's, you know, for teenagers, it's everything is world crushing and it's going to last forever. And I think the mom who was, cause they experienced a family tragedy and that's kind of what sparked it. And you learn that throughout the movie. And I think the, I had to come at it from the mom's point and like trying to figure out how do I help her when I don't really understand why she can't just get over it. And I wish you could see my finger quotes on the podcast. <laughs> there were finger quotes <laughs> letting you know. Uh, it's interesting that they're like, there are comparisons, your, your projects here. Um, the next Lifetime movie that you're doing, Melissa, is it also about a mother and daughter, or can you, can no, you say? Uh, no. uh, yeah, I don't know how much I can say. Uh, probably not much, but there is not a mother-daughter, and it's actually a book adaptation. Oh. So it was a bit different. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, although we changed quite a bit from, <laughs> from the book. But, um, but yeah, it's a, a totally different story. The, the woman is in like her late 20s, and she's the one driving the story. So, so. what's that like getting... getting- a book, having to adapt it, also having to adapt it toward, you know, certain act breaks and stuff like that. What, you know, what was the, what, what did you learn from having to adapt existing material? Um, yeah, it was, it was a good book. I mean, we, we luckily had good source material for that, which was great. Um, there, what I found was there's a lot in a book. And so sometimes to distill it down into, you know, a hundred and eight, nine, 10 page script was a little challenging. Um, and there were a lot of twists and turns. This is like a very twisty turny story. And it's more of a mystery where most lifetime movies are thrillers where you know who the bad guy is or gal is from the beginning because you're getting their perspective as well. Um, some of them are mysteries, but, um, so this was a different writing experience because it was a mystery. So you have to be careful how you reveal, you have to layer in the red herrings, et cetera, et cetera. So it was interesting, like distilling it down and taking, there are so many characters in the book. And so we had to combine them. So it was like, you know, there would be like five different characters and then I'm like, well, I can make that one, (laughs) you know, one. And, um, yeah, it was, so it was really, it was really interesting and um, and then you also just have to be mindful, usually in a book adaptation, that the book author is still involved. And, you know, maybe not in every case they are. In this case, they were because it's a big publishing house and it was a deal. 
um, with that. And so, you know, they're giving notes as well. And of course, you know, they want to preserve their material as much as possible. So you just have to be mindful that, you know, you change things, of course, to suit the story, but you also want to keep as much as you can intact so that the author is like, you know, still feels like it's her story. Yeah, one, one thing I can say from working with you is you're incredibly open to notes. So just hearing, hearing what you're saying right now, I'm like, God, that's a lot of people to please. Mm. But, you know, you're not saying it with like any rolling of the eyes or frown on your face. You're just like, and you have to do this and you have to do that. And it's sort of like that's the work that you have to do. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> I just feel like that's the main I don't know. As a, from what I've experienced so far, I feel like that's kind of your main job as a screenwriter <laughs> almost is just figuring out how to tell the story in a way that's, you know, is going to please everyone because unless you're funding your own project, then, you know, there's probably with lifetime, I mean, there can be a lot of notes coming in, you know, lots of different things. Um, and they don't all agree, you know, <laughs> not all of the things match. So you just have to find a happy common ground. Um, and I think I just learned that with you early on Pilar, because even in like the first script that I wrote, which I had no idea what I was doing and, but I did write it using your book, which was great. I think that really helped. And it was a, it was and, a strong script all on its own. And you had, you know, given me all this wonderful feedback. And, um, but I think ultimately, you know, you, you thought it was a strong script, but there was a lot of changes to be made, Mm -hmm. right? Fairly enough, like fair enough. There was a lot of changes. And so I didn't look at that. Like, I think I gave you like a 40, 45 page script, which it should have been, you know, not like more than that, obviously (laughs) for one hour drama, but I didn't know. And then I think we chopped it down and I looked at the end and it ended up like 15 pages (laughs) because all the changes I needed to make. And, um, but I could have looked at that and felt defeated, but I looked at it instead and said, Oh, well, like she gave me all these great ideas. So I just need to get clever in a new way, you know, a new way to tell this story that I hadn't thought of yet so that I can incorporate her notes. And so I think I learned that just working one-on-one with you for so long before I did this in a more serious manner um, is that that's just what you do, right? And it's not, it's, it's okay. And like, and you can still um, sometimes go and, and there's definitely, I'm, I'm confident enough now that when I get certain notes, but like I did something for a reason or I believe in it, I won't fight, but I will say, you know, the reason I did this was because of this and it interlocks with this. I'm fine changing it, but you know, I feel like it would be stronger if we left it because of this and you get away. Sometimes it, you know, know, sometimes executive (laughs) go like, Oh, thank you for pointing that out. I forgot that, you know? People can correct notes with me, too. I mean, I'll be like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. It creates a ripple effect if we do this. Okay, let's let's yeah. recalibrate. And you, they read so... I mean, I, I just feel like they must read so much. And oftentimes you'll get notes. <laughs> and I got a few notes on my last project. And I was like, this is... I didn't even put that in the script. Uh-oh. But it was... I think it's because they're so overworked, right? And they have so like so much on their plate. And... um. And so sometimes you'll get notes. And so you just, that's it. Like you just go back and say, I didn't understand this note or, you know, like, can you give a little bit of feedback on that? And it's usually just not a big deal. It's like, oh, 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 we, we missed that. Or they read it and it, there's so many little details. I mean, I don't blame them because I would probably miss little things too. Um, if you're reading that much all day, right. And having to give like really thoughtful notes. So, um, so it, I guess you just have to exercise patience. <laughs> and, and Hunter, when I met you, you were, uh, you were writing something for somebody else. I mean, you were, you were part of the project. Right. So they had come up with the idea and then we'd sat down and kind of broke the story and then started writing it. 
And where can I ask where that's at? Because I mean, it was it was such an ambitious project. Such an ambitious project. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's with a couple of people that are just like they're like my LA family out here, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And so, as projects do, it's currently on the not the back burner, it's, but it's, it's in just, turnaround. Yeah, that's what we say it's, it's in turnaround. turnaround. I like that. <laughs> What are, you, what are you working on outside of the Lifetime Project? I'm sure, I mean, I know you, you've probably got something else that you're writing that, that you're buzzing about in your head. Yeah. What are you, what are you going for next? So I, I originally started writing and I wanted to get into TV, like our drama is like always the first thing that I wanted to do. And so I finished up this pilot that after a couple of different drafts and taking it in different directions and finally finished up this one hour pilot that I'm really proud of. So I'm starting to show that around and use that as my sample now to go to like literary agents and managers. Cause I'm now looking for that, which has been great. And I, and then I wanted to do something totally different. So in between like waiting for the rewrites for a lifetime, I've been, and I just finished up this kind of like buddy comedy adventure with uh, like a fellow writer friend of mine. And so like we kind of tackled that one together, which was, a really interesting experience to sit and like write together. How, how did it feel? Like, uh, like, do you think that you're going to do it again or do you, you know, think- breaking story together is really fun, yeah. but you can't really sit there and be like, I think that Jay should say, <laughs> like, and so we kind of ended up would break apart. And then sometimes we'd like both write a version of a script and then you sit there and then you're like, well, Shit, that version's better than mine. Yeah, let's use that. <laughs> so that's been fun, but he's just like my best friend, so that's always really fun to do too. Okay, so just in case anybody's wondering, and just so that you can hate yourself for just five minutes, um, Hunter is 23. <laughs> 23. We don't often give ages on this show, but there you go. There you go. And Melissa is 25. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, Melissa looks 25. I don't know how old oh, she is, but... I really, really, uh, I was so excited. You know, I, I heard from both of you separately about the Lifetime gigs uh, with, with the movies. And um, I was so excited that I just wanted to bring you guys here together and, and say congratulations to both. But clearly, there are other things on the horizon. Yes. And Melissa, it's more than on the horizon. You've got a TV <laughs> show, a TV series that will be out. Um, so I need you to come back on when mm-hmm. that's all you know, definitely all signed on the dotted line <laughs> mm-hmm. to tell me how that process is going. It will probably be the thing that people are binge watching. Everybody can be like, oh my God, Melissa Cacera, I knew her, I knew her when. <laughs> um, uh, in the meantime, what should we look out for and, you know, and tune in and all this? We can't see the TV show yet. Um, so the Lifetime movies, you said one is... is- yeah, look out for... Um- so right now, the only one that's out is Girl Followed on Lifetime. And I know it's airing. I don't know when. I know it's airing currently, <laughs> but I can't tell you what like time and station. And obviously, if you're not in the United States, that becomes trickier because I can't tell you how many people from Australia were like, how can I watch it? And were, <laughs> so, so just FYI, <laughs> um, unless it gets picked up some other way, which I don't know if it will, um, Lifetime is where it's at. So, um, And hopefully they'll be putting it on the app soon as well. So yeah, check it out. And you can watch, I think you can watch the trailer on their website. Excellent. That's really good. Excellent. And Hunter, do we know when your movie will be out? I 
do not know. What, what <laughs> is the title so that when it does come out, everybody can go, I know, I know uh, that project. Originally, it was Take As Directed, mm-hmm. and there's talks of changing it. I don't know if you went through that, Melissa. Oh, yeah, they changed my title, too. Oh. Yeah, it, it often will change. I actually, my mentor has written like 55 lifetime movies. Holy and um, so, and she said that there, like, there are times when like, you don't even know the title changed and then your movie's airing and you don't know it's your movie. So sometimes it just like happens. So you ha- it's very common to change the title. So, so just FYI, okay. we probably won't know what hundreds is until it's literally Fair on enough. air. Well, just, just watch for the writer then. Okay. Hunter <laughs> Duhan, Melissa Casera, And I'm telling you, I know this is going to be the first of many, uh, podcasts just touting your successes. So Thank you guys for being here. Oh, Hunter, we did not, we did not, uh, uh, are there, is there like a website or anything that like, like people can go to or a Twitter handle that where we can follow you? Uh, I'm on Instagram. You're on Instagram? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just Hunter Duhan. All right. No all right. underscores or fancy things at all. <laughs> and Melissa, you you tweet, right? Sometimes, but the, I would say the best way to find me is my website, melissacasera.com. And that's where you'll see lots of like marketing and networking advice because that's kind of what I do well, look, <laughs> beyond clearly your marketing and networking advice <laughs> pays off because really um, what, what a fun success story this has been. I can't believe it's only been a year. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm about to go log on there. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I'm on the news. I get the newsletter. Amazing. It's good. <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. I need to you do, do that. You do. You always write me back. I do. I me <laughs> too, because I'm always like, oh, yeah, I should have done that. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I want to remind everybody uh, to go to onthepage.tv, see what's happening at the studio, um, our ongoing monthly writing marathons. Um, and there should be some summer classes coming up. Oh, I know. July 8th and 9th will be the rewrite class, the two-day rewrite class. And I like to tell people way in advance so that they can get their plane tickets if they decide to plan a vacation around it, because some people do. And there's a cool hotel down the street. You can walk there to the studio, write for two days, and go off to Universal and Disneyland, or you know, try and get some some producer meetings. Who knows? Um, but July eighth and ninth, check it out. It's on the website. Thank you again to Melissa. Thank you. Thank you again to Hunter. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening, and have a good writing week. 